Back here on Sports Talk as we continue. 21 past the hour. Oh, man. Two lines are available. You want in? Now's the time to do it. 505-6009. That is our telephone number to get into the program. 505-6009. You can also tweet the show at 600 ESPN El Paso. That is at 600 ESPN El Paso. If you want to get into the program, we'd love to hear from you. So uh, ever since the craziness uh, started uh, in Las Cruces over the weekend, we've been wondering, whatever happened to Victor? Where did he go? Where, um, you know, where's he been hiding? Well, apparently our questions are answered because he's joining us next on the phone lines right now. Victor, uh, welcome back. We've been wondering where it happened to you. Good to hear from you, man. How you doing? I'm good, good, Steve-O. Happy New Year to you. Happy New Year to near Year, near Year to uh, Adrian. I haven't been it's on February fourteenth. Yeah, Happy Valentine's, man. Forget New Year's. It's Valentine's, dude. It's yeah, Happy Valentine's it, Day. Exactly. I'm a very somber Aggie fan right now, guys. You should very, be very, very. You should very be somber. somber very That's a good, sad. Very yeah. Inconsolable. I would. I would um, agree. That's exactly inconsolable. Sad. Depressed. Uh, you know, yeah. like, yeah, I mean, yeah. I, that's exactly yeah. how I would be right now. I'm wondering, uh, you know, what, what'd you do to deserve this? That's, that's the question I'm asking right now. If you're an Aggie fan, absolutely. What happened? Exactly. The, the second bo- board meeting is at five o'clock guys. Oh, okay. o'clock. Thank you. Thank you. Five o'clock. All right. Are that's you going to be there, Victor? No, it's closed. I don't even think uh, with my credentials will get me in either, Adrian. So who knows? <laughs> well, you've always uh, you've always found ways to get into things that uh, number like normal human beings could not, uh, you know, could there, not access. There so. you go. You're you're right. Steve. I know. I know. Hey, I wanted yeah. to ask you guys a question uh, really quick here. Sure, um, man. Do you and Adrian think that? That uh, the five, I, I, I don't know what was discussed at the eight, because they had two meetings, one at eight o'clock and then this other one that I uh, mentioned at five o'clock. But okay. I wonder, um, do you guys think that part of the minutes or agenda of the five o'clock meeting is to decide Coach Hire's future with the team? Well, I mean, they can't. I don't know. I don't they, know. They're not allowed to to do that, um, at least behind closed doors. From what I understand, that would have to be a public meeting, not a closed door meeting. The only person, from what I've heard, and again, you know, I might be wrong, but the only person that has the authority to do that is Dan Arvizu. Yep. Yeah. Who, um, as we all know, is the chancellor, but. Outgoing. I mean, his, you know, he was not renewed by the board. So ultimately, mm-hmm. you know, he has the final call. If he wants to uh, lower the hammer on uh, hire and the staff and, and even Mario Mocha, um, he can do that. That is his, that is completely his call. Now, can this even happen during the closed door setup that they have right now? Um. Well, I mean, I think Arvizu can do it whenever he wants. If he wanted to do it during the closed door, it'd be done, right? I mean, there's no, there, there is no set time of when this has to be done, right? Yeah, yep, yeah, you're right. You're well, right. and what do you think about that? I mean, like, what would you do? All right, say you're Arvizu right now. What do you do? <clears throat> I, 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 
I'm caught between a rock and a hard place, Steve. Oh, please. for crying yeah. out loud! Make up your <laughs> mind. All right, you're you're you know you gotta you gotta you're you gotta do something here. Do you do you hang you? Well, I mean, to me, there's there's no option, but that's just me. I mean, what would you tell me? What you would do? I'm so interested to hear how you would handle this. Mm, I would start fresh, including higher, coach higher. What would you do about the athletic director? I would I would keep uh, Mario. I would keep Mario. You would. All right. Mm-hmm. So you you spare Mario, but you get rid of everybody else. I mean, I'm surprised you even like had to think about the coaching situation. I mean, the truth well, is, not- is that you know if you if you're the head coach and all this stuff is going down, it's like how do you how do you I mean how would you spare them? I mean, what do you? How could you even justify that, given the circumstances of the situation, right? No, no, it, it's just that it's just such a such a um, disappointment that I put all my faith in higher and the staff, and then this goes down, Steve. Well, it's, not it's, everything. It's, listen, and this is the also uh, the other part of this equation, okay? And this is something you have to understand. It doesn't always work out. I mean, there are times when things look good initially. And then things, for whatever reason, don't don't work out the way you want it. And yeah, it stinks, mm. but there's nothing you can do about that. You know, you can't control, you can't control the outcome of sometimes uh, student athletes and and what happens not just on the court but off the court. That's you know right. that's for the guys that are getting paid a lot of money. And when you're getting paid, you're right. you know, a couple hundred thousand dollars minimum, if not more than that, you got to make sure that. You know, you you uh, you stay in control of things, and if you don't stay in control of things, you got to be ready for the consequences. You know, the uh, names of the victim and the perpetrators have been redacted. Um, do you think we'll ever find out who these people, who these individuals are, Steve? Um, if it does not go to a, you know, like if there's no charges pressed, uh, probably not. If there are. Criminal charges pressed or a civil suit. I, I don't know. Probably be more criminal than anything else. Then, mm-hmm. obviously, you would have to hear that name. So I think it all just depends on what's going to happen from this point on as far as the uh, the charges go. Adrian, would you uh, yes. you agree with me on that one? Yeah, I would also say to that point, Steve, uh, when it comes to the charges that could come and all of that, I mean, look, I, I don't know w- whether we'll find out about the victims, but we do know that the victim alleged that uh, teammates saw and other people saw. So it's going to be difficult to distinguish who is reprimanded and then may- maybe who is a bystander. But it's, it's kind of all muddy with the allegations that are out there right now. Yeah, and if te- and if teammates saw this and that's what's being, you know, said right now and nothing was done until the uh, you know, the police report was filed, it's uh it's a, it's a troubling situation. We don't know if the entire team has seen it. We don't really know yet, but point is, Victor, um, somebody's life or lives, depending on if there's multiple individuals, were greatly affected by this and uh, and and a program that has worked so hard to establish itself as a legitimate power in college basketball, especially as a mid-major, you know, this is this is tarnishing their reputation. It, it really is. And if these allegations are true, it is going to be, uh, you know, a difficult situation for this program to overcome. It really is. Not to say they can't do it. They will. Mm-hmm. They'll be, especially with the NIL in place, they can be able to do it. But clearly, uh, this is a major, major 
uh, you know, it, it's a setback and it's a it's a huge storyline to keep an eye on. That's for sure. Now, let, let me ask you guys one final question before I let sure, you go. Sure, Victor. This is all about you, so go ahead. Oh, you're the best ever, Steve. Thank you. <laughs> no, I was going to say, um, I, I, I want to hear your and, and Adrian's uh, call on on um, what's going to end up happening with, with Coach Hire ultimately, you know, when all is said and done. I want to hear you and, and Adrian's you know, take on this. Please. Sure. We'll do that right uh, after we get out of a uh, sports center. What do you say? Just uh, listen sure. in and you'll hear that in a moment. Okay. There you go. Appreciate Thank it. You, Thanks Thank you, Adrian. All right. Approaching the bottom of the hour. Yeah, we'll give you there our thoughts on that in a moment. But first, uh, as we said, uh, it is that time, bottom of the hour time for sports center. Let's go to Adrian. And then we'll definitely tell you what we think will happen with uh, coach Hire and his staff right here. 600 ESPN El Paso. Thank you very much. All right, now let's get to the question at hand from Victor before he hung up the phone, wanting to know our thought, like what would we do on the situation? Um, look, it, it all depends. These are all alleged, okay, involving, um, you know, involving the NMSU basketball program. But if internal investigations discovers that indeed after talking with multiple members of the team and, and everybody else involved that what um, was on the police report did in fact happen. You have to clean house. You have to. I mean, I don't see how under any circumstances that um, anybody survives this. I, I really don't. I think you need a clean break, Adrian, a hard reset, and you've just got to completely overhaul everything in that basketball program. All coaches, staff, players, the whole thing. If it's true, and that's the thing, though. We don't know for sure yet if it's true. We just know what was on the NMSU PD redacted report and what's allegedly uh, been said. But if that stuff actually went down, and who knows, it could be a lot worse uh, than what we've heard so far. We don't even know the, the, the full extent of it. But if they find that not only did it happen, but there's a lot more to it than what we've heard, you, you, there's no way. You keep uh, you keep this current staff in place. You, you got to get rid of all of them. Yeah, I would say this. I, I look back at just the red flags we've seen since the Greg Hire uh, regime started with New Mexico State. And one of the biggest recent red flags was not necessarily the Mike Peak shooting incident, but everything that transpired after. Remember the story that we read after Mike Peak defended himself, killed a uh, New Mexico student. Uh, we heard the report that state police out in New Mexico wanted, uh, during their investigation, they expressly told Greg Hire and his assistants that they needed all the evidence and if they found any whereabouts of the gun the tablet all those sources to let them know right away mm. and it felt something it felt like that whole situation was off and i have a big red flag over that one right there and i kind of look at that situation as his last straw like hey okay he's on a short leash 
any other incident that pops up, they have to have a no-nonsense policy. So uh, in my opinion, what I would have done in this situation, if, if everything checks out and the internal investigation proves to be right and players are starting to leave left and right so you can kind of see the writing on the wall, yeah, I would have cleaned house a lot earlier on this situation and moved on for my head coach a lot earlier. I think they're probably checking their all the legal options right, and just making sure that what they do does not violate anything. In terms of potentially a contract, that's that's why he's been suspended with pay, because or or at least they want to make sure they check everything out. Now, listen, they didn't just decide to go week by week; they canceled the season over the weekend. They've already said we're done. So to me, it tells me that as they've as they've spoken to members of the team, they realize this stuff went down. Because this is not just a he said, he said situation. Yeah. This is ultimately a story that I believe the university has looked into. They realize that it's troubling in nature. Um, and, you know, they, they heard enough to make a decision already regarding the future of the program. I mean, we had a player who entered the portal from New Mexico State say that he, his values don't align with those that happen within the uh, within their team, yes. within the program. So yes. that just tells you it right there. And that almost, you know, it, it's this is going to be such an interesting situation to see how things will develop and how quickly it'll develop after these closed-door meetings or if the pressure that Chancellor Dan Arvizu is getting right now forces him to, you know, kind of fire the, uh, Greg Heyer and his whole staff quickly well once again um you know if you had to ask me what's going to happen i i think it's going to be a total reset on everything i i really do i would be shocked if there's any players back from the season i'd be shocked if anybody on the staff comes back i think they're they're just going to completely start over as far as mario mocha goes i think it's 50 50 that's what i really believe right now you know i like mario personally he is um he's not just media friendly I mean, my relationship with Mario now goes back since he first arrived, and uh, Mario's been incredible to work with. Incredible to work with. I mean, he really has. And up until this hire, everything he's done is has worked out. So, you know, I'm hoping that Mario survives this. But ultimately, it's in the hands of an outgoing chancellor who, uh, you know, has a chance now to, to if he wants, you know, put, a, you know, put an exclamation point on everything on his way out. I think it's very fair to call uh, Mario Mocha's status 50-50. You know, uh, one of the reasons why we can say that's fair is we haven't heard anything from him at this point. No no um, statements from him. We don't expect to in this no. kind of situation. Hey, he stuck his neck out for Greg Heyer in the uh, police incident that happened with the shooting and Mike Peake uh, and all of that. He stood up for Greg Heyer saying, hey, this was an isolated incident. He met with members of the media and he was great with press. Uh, throughout that point talking about uh, how he was saying hey I'm defending these coaches they did the right thing in this whole process and I believed what they did and so if you're going to double down on a coach like that then you have to be uh, accepting yep. of what could come your way um, and, and be held responsible at some times with uh, what happens to that program you want to weigh in 505-6009 that and the story regarding John Dos Anjos what a, uh, what a story it's been like for him. Matter of fact, we'll talk about that when we come back because if there was ever a guy who has been dealing with injuries all season and never had the opportunity to really uh, make a, 
uh, a name for himself, make a statement, it's it's him. So that'll be coming up right after this. Uh, 38 past. Great to have you here on Sports Talk with 600 ESPN El Paso. Back here on Sports Talk as we continue. 45 now past the hour. You want in? 505-6009. That's our telephone number. So UTEP gets the news. John Dos Anjos is done this season. In fact, you might even say that uh, his season ended before really it ever got going because um, health was an issue all year long. Finally started getting healthy. The game was never really what it should have been, given what we had heard about John uh, during the, you know, his time as a as a top JUCO standout. And here is uh, Joe Golding at the press uh, at the press conference today, this afternoon, talking about uh, Dos Anjos out with the stress fracture uh, that he suffered. Oh, you don't have the audio. Oh, I'm sorry. I I'm sorry. I'm, I'm sorry. sorry. Here, let me throw no, it. Out. That's, I'm that's sorry. fine. Give me a sec. All right. Hang on one second, folks. We're going to uh, load this up. In fact, I might have it now. Here, let me uh, play this. Here it is. Uh, Joe Golding from earlier talking about uh, J- uh, John Dos Anjos. And, you know, here I'll give you guys some news. We just found out yesterday that Jonathan's out for the year. Uh, he's been playing with a stretch fracture, uh, and they finally did uh, the x-ray on him, and it's completely cracked all the way. And so, uh, you know, we're going to have to get creative here down the stretch of, of, you know, playing Otis or Sibley there a little bit, maybe at the four, or playing small, playing four guards. But to your point, maybe that helps us score it a little bit better too. So we'll figure it out here down the stretch. Hey, I thought he played really good against UTSA, but they played right behind the post, right, and let him get deep. Uh, they didn't go be that easy Thursday night, right? The big fellow coming in from UAB is a man. Um, they're going to make it tougher on him. But uh, I'm proud of Z, man. I mean, this is the first year he's played real minutes. Uh, I, I think we talked to, you know, last year he played towards the end of the year, um, you know, but he wasn't in the game uh, necessarily, uh, you know, for major, major minutes. And so we talked about this year being up and down. It's kind of a process with those bigs. And I think you've seen that this year. He started off really well. Then he's kind of hit the, the middle ground, and now he's starting to play better basketball here um, as late. So I'm proud of Z, man. He's growing. Uh, he, he's becoming a, a better player each and every day. Uh, and I think he's got a chance to be really, really good down the road. All right, so that's uh, Joe Golding talking about both uh, Dos Anjos and uh, Onyema as uh, we continue here on Sports Talk. Let's keep things moving with Eric, who joins us next on the show. 48 now past the hour. Eric, what's going on? How are you? Oh, hang on, Eric. Let me patch you up. There we go. Eric, what's going on? Just going. Season ticket with NMSU and a little more. Thought on Greg Hire in the NMSU situation. And yes. Maybe some insight into McKinney, why he's not playing on him. Do you think it has to do anything with the NMSU situation in the fight? No, I can tell you. Eric, I can tell you this, okay? When it comes to Mario McKinney uh, and his situation, it is completely separate of the story that just broke involving New Mexico State. Um, as far as the fight uh, back in October, he was disciplined by Joe Golding for that at the time. Came back out of it. I think the issue with McKinney is just that um, over the years, you know, at times, um, you know, he has had um, difficulty on and off the court with with other teams and other programs and other coaches. And uh, UTEP has worked very, very hard on trying to do everything in their power to help Mario and uh, as you know, get so he could have more control over himself and thus really see his game develop. And I think that sometimes when uh, you're dealing with someone and, and there are you know numerous situations that happen, eventually there'll come a breaking point, 
And that might have been what happened last week, which uh, unfortunately has led to the story that he's been suspended indefinitely by Joe and UTEP. And I feel bad because um, I do believe that UTEP tried to really, they, they, they saw the potential, they saw the talent, they wanted to make it work. But uh, they just they, they weren't able to do it, and they're not the first program. And you know, I'm hoping Mario will eventually have a chance to find some place where it will work, but it, it just won't be at UTEP. Okay, I agree with that. I mean, something on Greg Hire, I and mean, I think just he's. I think it's his time at NMSU is done, and uh, time to move on. You go back to one of the uh, body cams after the whole UNM incidents, where they tried to come and serve um, some search warrants for the uh, three players that picked up Mike Peake's stuff and the police officers were came into the um, coach's office and he said that, oh, he doesn't have any contact or cell phone information for his players. Um, excuse me, you don't have a way to get a hold of your players I, as a head coach? I mean, that is total BS and um, just, you know... It, if obstruction from the law and stuff like that as a coach, you should be able to say, nope, I'll have him down here ASAP, you know, and that. And then just the way his X's and O's in the game, like I said, a season ticket holder, it's been ugly. I mean, they, his out-of-bounds plays and just coming out of a timeout, it just it seems like we turn the ball over 90% of the time and the players are, after they get done, are yelling at each other because – you were supposed to do this. You were supposed to do that. Isn't this a play you've run, you know, 30 times or, you know, 500 times in practice and you get out into the game and they start yelling at each other. And I think it's just a cultural shift in his just control of the team is beyond awful and time for him to go. Well, let me ask you this, okay? Say you're, uh, say you're Dan Urvizu, because you're really the one along with the board that has the opportunity to, to make a change. Now, you can't fire somebody in year one because you're not happy with his X's and O's and the way he plays. I mean, he's under contract. You would have to pay that out over time. It would, it would be a very expensive buyout. But given the chain of events that happened over the weekend and, and all the other stuff, just, you know, if in fact the – uh, morality clause in the contract was violated. Do you clean house and get rid of everybody? What do you do if you were in charge at New Mexico State, Eric? So, yes, I totally agree. Like, X's and O's, and I'm willing to look past that for the first year. It's all brand-new players. They've not played together. So, that being said, the morality clause, I don't know. I and mean, you look, we had a, what, four-star recruit decommit today. Um, because of it, I just think if the for the community here in Las Cruces and just recruiting in the future, I mean, who's going to send their kid to NMSU? I mean, either just academically or you know to our basketball program with Hire still here. I mean, I think keeping Hire here is more detrimental. Um, to the NMSU program in the future, uh, just recruiting-wise. And, yeah, and I think NMSU, yes, we've had our ups and downs with coaches throughout the history. I mean, go back to McCartney, you go and different incidences with different players and stuff like that. But we've always, you know, tried to keep a clean program. And I think just the chain of events this year – hard to look past. I think it's time to clean house. Yep. With I'm everybody. with you. I'm with you.
So, um, you know, that's yeah, that's probably the way I would go too. But I appreciate the phone call. And thank you for getting in. Um, you know, that's to me what makes the most sense. It, it really does. I I don't see how someone that has gone through two of these major, major off the court instances, uh, incidents, I should say, two of them, uh, could somehow uh, stay with a program that has canceled their season. I, I just, I, I think it makes no sense. I don't know how anybody would be, would want to come to play uh, for that, you know, for him. And, 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 you know, it's, it's unfortunate, but if you're in New Mexico state, I, I just don't see how the staff stays on. I, I can't, I can't see a situation where that happens. Yeah. To me, it's a foregone conclusion, really. I mean, it's just a matter of when, not, uh, you know, when, uh, you know, if it's going to happen. And this is the same team that lost nine in a row in whack play. This is the same team that was two and 10 in the whack, nine and 15 overall. So they were frustrating fans on the court, just like Eric was mentioning as a season ticket holder. Uh, you know, his frustrations were also with the play of this team as well. Right. No, I'm with you. I'm with you. All right. Hey, one hour in the books. When we come back, Track Talk coming up next with Eric Alwyn. Stay with us. Sports Talk continues. 600 ESPN El Paso. everybody to truck talk brand new week as we uh, kick things off steve caplow it's with you and as always joining us right now is eric alwyn the voice of sunland park racetrack and casino we got a lot of catching up to do matter of fact let's catch up and talk about what happened uh, at the hundred thousand dollar la coneja stakes uh, a few weeks ago with quattro who ended up getting the upset win but I mean, when you've got Luis Fuentes on the jockey uh, and on the ride, is it really an upset? No matter what the odds are, sometimes you've said it best. You you uh, you wager trainers and you wager great jockeys because they can sometimes make all the difference in the world. Just into that day, Steve. Luis Fuentes was named on the horse like the day of, so there was a, a late change. But there was a lot that went into that race beforehand because our cover girl, you know, one of the best horses of last year, Belladonna, uh, came up not feeling well that morning and scratched. And she was one of two horses in the race trained by Simon Beetzler. And what do you know? Simon put Luis Fuentes on Quattro and Quattro had a career best performance. And uh, you're right. I mean, with Luis Fuentes aboard, it certainly makes the horse have a, a better shot. Uh, she had hinted at some ability. She was second in the New Mexico State Racing Commission handicap on opening weekend. So she already put herself sort of into the into the framework of the conversation. And there was no Belladonna to worry about. So mm-hmm. I guess that sort of gave her a shot. A couple of horses made good runs at her. Corinna Corinna dove towards the rail and was closing, but kind of came up short. And then Bikini Time, the horse that defeated Quattro in the Racing Commission handicap, she was actually in front of Quattro at the top of the lane, but couldn't put her away. And, um, you know, I I don't know how much longer we're going to be able to hold on to Luis Fuentes. Yeah. He's that good. And he's that professional. And, gosh, I think he's got already a handful of stakes wins already, Steve. And we're only halfway through the season. So he does, he does make a critical difference, especially on those close finishes. But Quattro won pretty handsomely. 
and I think she paid about eighteen dollars. It's nice. That's really nice. Um, it was a good payoff. What about the day before? The Star Western wear stakes. The great Todd Fincher did it again. And this is a seasoned veteran horse. I mean, you talk about Freedom Flash, seven years of age, and has had a chance to win uh, seven times. So maybe lucky number seven all the way around for the son of first Moon Flash at that Star Western wear stakes uh, the day before. What a what a gritty horse that one is. You know, he he's half thoroughbred on the mother's side. So it lends itself very well that he would like 870 yards and he's made a whole new career uh, going that distance after being a pretty good stakes horse going shorter. And he's owned by the Amistoys who are legendary horse owners in this state. And, uh, you know, Todd is uh, really great at uh, picking these right spots and all Freedom Flash has to do is enter these uh, New Mexico bred 870 stakes. They're not all that frequent, but each track has them. And I think you're going to see uh, him continue to win this season. And uh, doesn't he doesn't mind going wide. He doesn't mind passing horses. So he has a lot of versatility about him. And, uh, you know, a really good jockey for 870 has turned out to be Alfredo Segala. Maybe a name that we haven't talked about all that often on our shows. But uh, he's a really good rider that fits this type of a quarter horse. And he's a really good thoroughbred rider, too. But, uh, you know, all hail that, that really nice horse, uh, Freedom Flash. No stakes races uh, this past Sunday uh, because of the Super Bowl. I think that made a lot of sense, not trying to compete with the big one. Can't beat the Super Bowl. No, you yeah. can't. But you did uh-huh. have the 20th running of the $100,000 Messiah Valley Speed Handicap on Saturday and Diaz's Daylight. And tell me a little bit about Jaime Aldavaz Sr. Because this is uh, someone that not only trains horses but owns horses and ended mm-hmm. up getting that uh, big win on Saturday. Maybe not a high-profile name, Steve, but a long-standing name here at Sunlin, and he owns and trains his horses. And, you know, he's he's particularly good. I've seen him with Thurbridge, too, but it seems to do him maybe just a touch better with the quarter horses. And uh, this was a horse that I couldn't have handicapped, but I got to give a tip of the cap to our uh, paddock hostess herself, Julie Farr, who does such a great job on our television signal. She liked the Aces Daylight a whole lot. And you know what? I think Julie actually picked Quattro, too. So Julie's been extremely sharp on her selections. And she liked Diaz's Daylight. You know, being the old favorite chaser that I am, I thought that H.S. Paul Walker was pretty much unstoppable. But like we see so much in horse racing, you know, they can't always deliver their A games. So this was a situation where, you know, Jaime Aldevez was able to get Diaz's Daylight in a good position. He hired Adrian Ramos to be his rider. That's an All-American Futurity winning rider. And I think his training talents and the jockey's talents kind of got this horse up when maybe H.S. Paul Walker, maybe wasn't at his sharpest. You know, he didn't show that keen speed that he showed winning the red or green stakes. And this is a horse that gave um, daylight that maybe did deserve a shot and finally did come to the fore with a superlative effort. Track Talk with Eric Alwyn, the voice of Sunland Park Racetrack and Casino, uh, continues this week here on 600 ESPN El Paso. We're going to talk about the Enchantress Stakes in a little bit. But first, the beauty of this segment is sometimes you give us little nuggets, things that are happening around the horse racing world that we get to talk about for the first time here during this segment. And I understand you've got some news relating to the Mine That Bird Derby that uh, you want to share with us here uh, today, Eric. Thank you, Steve. 
the Mind That Bird Derby is going to be our final local prep for the Sunland Derby. Uh, we had the Rally Allison Derby about a few weeks ago, and it was won by a Turf Paradise horse called uh, One in Vermilion. We probably will see him again, maybe in the Mind That Bird Derby. But if there ever was a big day for our fans and listeners and viewers to come out to Sunland, it's going to be February 26th because that's the day of the Mind That Bird Derby. And there's a whole lot of other stakes races that are going to be on that bill, too. But I've been told by Dustin A. Dix, our director of racing, this morning that uh, Federal Express in today were nominations from both Bob Baffert and Doug O'Neill. So that's kind of a new twist. Sure, we see them for the Solemn Derby, but do we always see them for, you know, a lead-up race? No. No, sir. So they're that serious. And they want to get a, hor- a horse or two maybe ready for our Sunland Derby. And the Mind That Bird Derby is a great way to get prepped, you know, and a lot of money, $100,000. Yeah. So I'm I'm curious to see and dive into what horses that they are bringing. Have but we ever had um, now? Have we ever had Baffert? Them. Have we ever had Baffert versus O'Neill in the past at the Mind That Bird Derby, like we have for the Sunland Derby? You know, I'm not sure, Steve, but possible they could have collided in the Sunland Derby because O'Neill's won it three times, right? And he won with Slow Down Andy last year in the Sunland Derby. And he won our very first Sunland Derby with an ex- uh, excessive pleasure. They might have, they might have collided at, at a certain point in time. They're two of the winningest uh, Sunland Derby trainers in the history of our race. You know, Bob Baffert's won it a whole slew of times too. But I'm, I'm really excited to see those type of names getting serious about running in, you know, in the Mind That Bird Derby because we already have a pretty good cast of locals. And I'm sure Todd will have maybe a couple of more new runners for us. And that, that of course, is Todd Fincher. You know, Todd is now the leading trainer. He has uh, kind of moved slightly past the Flacco Cappellucci in the trainer standing. So his barn's really heating up. Just talked about him with Freedom Flash, you know, on the quarter's ledger. But uh you know, when you offer $600,000 for any race and it's a graded one and it leads to a birth in Kentucky Derby, it's amazing how much response you get. And that's what the Summon Derby is meant to this race trim. No, that's terrific. Again, the Mind That Bird Derby, the 22nd running, will be Sunday, February the 26th. It's a mile and a 16th. And as you mentioned, Eric, and alluded to, that is the final prep before the mm-hmm. big uh, Sunland Derby. I'm excited about that. I'll give you one other little note. Yeah. I was at Radio Row last week in Phoenix, caught up a little bit with Jim Rome right before he went on the air on Friday morning. And we talked about his trip to Sunland, which he said was terrific and loved the experience of coming here on two different occasions. But he talked also to me about how stacked that Sunland Derby race was in terms of quality. And he and he just, I guess it humbled him a little bit because as excited as he was to win the, the Mind That Bird Derby, he realized that the Sunland Derby is a whole nother level because of those coveted 50 points you get towards the Kentucky Derby. Mm-hmm. We were so appreciative that he would bring us a horse and, you know, he, he, he won that Mind That Bird Derby in dramatic fashion. I don't know what happened to him in the Sunland Derby, Steve. Something might have happened. So I don't know that he ever raced again. Yeah. Uh, so maybe it wasn't his commensurate, you know, ability that he showed in that race. But uh, to have Jim Rome here at Sunland, it meant so much to us publicity-wise, marketing-wise. It was a wonderful 
you know association that we had and we hope to maybe see him again here i hope so uh, at Solon. he you know he jim rollins won i think two or three breeders cup races so he's no stranger to the big time of of the thoroughbred world and he meant a lot to us and we appreciate him Tell me about the field for uh, the 13th running of the Enchantress Stakes this Sunday. 100000 guaranteed for three-year-old fillies. It's a mile race. Uh, give me a little preview, Eric. You remember we talked about the La Senora Stakes about a month ago, and that was a race where Todd Fincher had a couple of horses, and and the one that won it was Doer, not a faker. I think that was the name of a beat Hannah's highlight in that race. So they'll sort of retangle, but what makes this race different is that it's not a sprint. They're going to have to go a mile. It's a non-Lasix uh, event as well. So it's going to be very strategic. You can't just blast out of the gate and go very quick the first half mile because you won't have anything left. But uh, Todd has excellent stats going from a sprint to a route. And he's got do or not a faker. Drew the rail on uh, Sunday in the eighth race. And has assigned Luis Fuentes to mount. So... I would imagine he's going to be the favorite. Todd has another one in the race called Pandora Who, but this one's going to be trying some stakes company uh, on that afternoon. Looks like an interesting race. Man, what a great segment as always, Eric. I mean, we've flown by already. Can you believe it? It's already been another rapid-fire edition of Track Talk. So much we've covered, so much more coming up. you got to stay warm out there. I mean, I'm I'm telling you, I'm looking at you right now. Keep yourself warm. Good, good. Yeah, the, the scarf would not be good calling a race. It could it could affect the vocal cords. We got to free sure up the vocal could. cords. Sure could. And when we meet next week, I'm going to tell you who's running in the Mind That Bird Derby. So that'll be that'll be fun next week. Love it. Until then, take care. Thanks for the time as always, Eric. Bye, Steve. Thank you. Eric Owen, folks, as we continue here on Track Talk. We'll come back, get to Charlie One with some traffic, and then plenty more of your calls, 505-6009, as Sports Talk continues, 600 ESPN El Paso. All right, so during Track Talk, this story came out a moment ago, and this comes from Dan Arvizu. I'm going to read this letter to you, folks, as it was posted up uh, just a little while ago on uh, social media. It says, Dear members of our NMSU community, Earlier today I made the decision to terminate men's basketball coach Greg Heyer. Director of Athletics Mario Mocha informed him of my decision this afternoon. This comes after learning of hazing allegations involving student-athletes on our men's basketball team. As I've stated previously, hazing has no place on our campus, and those found responsible will be held accountable for their actions. I am committed to the safety and well-being of all members of our campus community as well as to the integrity of our university. Through an expansive review and full investigation, we will work to ensure we are fully uh, we fully understand what happened here and that those found responsible are held accountable. We will also ensure that support 
systems are in place to prevent this from happening again. Any further decisions regarding the remainder of the coaching staff will be made after additional investigations are concluded. Sincerely, Chancellor Dan Arvizu. So for now, the only individual relieved of his duties is head coach Greg Heyer. Yeah, not a lot we could take from this and not a lot of big uh, surprises here, right, no. Steve? I mean, no. we all knew that Greg Heyer would be fired away from the, the program after this. This just makes it official. Uh, and you know what? This will mark one of the worst one-year runs or less-than-a-year runs by any first-year head coach in college basketball that you'll find. So, uh, yeah, I mean, take it for what it's worth. That's right. That's exactly right. And, you know, this, uh, again, our, our visa just tweeted out the letter, which he said was sent to the NMSU community. But by now, everybody around college athletics on Twitter knows that Greg Heyer is out at New Mexico State. Yeah, and, and they've also said that there will be a press conference tomorrow at 10 in the morning. Uh, so we'll hear from Dan Arvizu, and I'm assuming we will hear from Mario Mocha, director of athletics from New Mexico State. Oh, without a doubt. 10 a.m. tomorrow? You know that's going to happen. So, yes. Um, and that's the latest right now. Um, you know, Greg Hire's run is over. And given what, you know, has gone down, um, you knew this was coming. You just didn't know when. And now we know exactly when, right? This is it. Yeah, that's exactly right. And another thing that should be mentioned, I mean, Greg Heyer, uh, somebody who probably will not be a candidate for any kind of head coaching opportunities um, at many levels. Uh, not, I mean, forget Division One, but junior college. It, it'll be difficult for Greg Heyer to ever get back into this business again based off what could be, you know, true out of these, um, you know, uh, out of this police report that was uh, reported on. We don't even know for sure yet. All of it, do we? That's the other thing. We don't We don't know. I mean, all we know so far is what we've seen in that police report. But when the full investigation is concluded and more information is sent our way, there could be a lot more to this than what we already know. Yeah, how long is this going to take? Because isn't there a current investigation going on right now from a separate law firm involving the shooting incident? There so is. How long will this really take? And I'm sure for Aggies fans, they just want answers around all of this. Yeah, that's exactly. They just want to know um, and, and what's going to happen. And, yeah. The rest of the coaching staff. Again, I, I, I will find it hard to see anybody on this current staff surviving this, just right. based on what we know so far. Maybe it's wrong. Maybe there are certain individuals that will find ways. Maybe, maybe some players will come back even from this particular situation. But I think that as more information, Adrian, is is made available, I think it will be a total reset when it's all said and done as it should right i mean when you hear allegations that come out like this that are this egregious i mean they should uh face some uh, drastic ramifications afterward yep you're right 505 6009
That is our telephone number. I, I still find this whole thing so surreal. I really do. A year ago, this team was as good as any mid-major power in college basketball, and Chris Jans had this program so far ahead of of every other you know comparable program. It wasn't even funny, which is one of the reasons why Jans decided to parlay that into Mississippi State. You know and what? It's, and it's also very important to mention that with these two situations, there is no connection to Chris Jans. None. So that is one thing. You know, some people were kind of wondering, well, did this start back when he was coaching? No, it, it really didn't. Chris, look, Chris ran a pretty tight ship out there in Las Cruces. And he wasn't going to put up with any BS. None. So his personality wouldn't allow it. So for the most part, was he tough? Absolutely. Um, you know, did he have players that uh, had attitude? Absolutely. But you never heard about anything off the court. Not until recently did you ever start to hear about anything off the court. Yeah, and another thing is, as far as holdovers from last year, uh, there are very few. I mean, very few guys who are returning to the Aggies from last season, and that also needs to be said as well. Uh, you look at guys like Mike Peake, well, he's not on the team anymore uh, regarding everything that happened with him. So uh, with this team right here, it's a fresh new batch of guys right here, a fresh new coaching staff. It had no holdover from the previous regime in Chris Jans, which definitely needs to be said. And you know what else, Steve? Uh, I found it interesting. You read the uh, statement from Dan Arvizu, Chancellor for New Mexico State. I find it very interesting that it was Mario Mocha who was cited as the one to inform Greg Heyer of his termination. Not me. Not me. I mean, guess what? If you're spared, and maybe Mario will be spared, as keep his job as far as is concerned, Greg Heyer was his call. Greg Heyer was his call all along. And you want to know something? If Dan Arvizo is the chancellor and he decides to terminate uh, Greg Heyer, he doesn't have to be the person to call in Greg and tell him he's gone. That's your guy. You know, Mario is his athletic director. Therefore, if the decision is made at the top, Mario, since he's the one that brought him in, and it was his guy all along, should be the person that then tells Greg Heyer. He's been relieved of his duties, and he's been terminated. So to me, it makes total sense that Mario would be the person to relay this information, given the fact that that was his guy. I was his hire in the first place. Uh, pardon the pun, his last names go, but it's true. So moving forward now uh, that obviously there's a vacancy at this head coaching position, I'm sure fans, now we understand this, we know uh, Mario Mocha, we've talked about this, but fans for New Mexico State will wonder, well, why can we tr- how can we trust uh, Mario Mocha here after this Greg Hire decision uh, and, and how it went so south? I, I would say this just a quick defense on that question right there from fans that might say that. Hey, look at the other hires that he's made. I was going to say, Everything Mario has done since he's arrived in the big sports have paid off. And by the way, women's basketball is killing it right now. Um, they're, they're doing great. Absolutely doing great. So women's basketball's up. Football with Jerry Kill is at a level it hasn't been at in God knows how long. Jans was a terrific hire. Yeah. Did, he, did Mario make a mistake with, with Greg? Absolutely. Colossal. You know? It's it, it, in ramifications. We'll see long term, but with them going to Conference USA, 
Yeah, this is uh, this is a bad one. There's there's no sugarcoating that, but it's his first bad one. The way I've described it is this, Adrian. You're in Vegas, right? You're playing blackjack, and you keep winning. And instead of putting away your, um, you know, like let's putting away your initial bet, and just playing what you've won. You keep taking everything you win, and you double down every time. Your max bets every single time you win. And eventually, you're going to lose. I mean, the law of averages, you got to lose sometime, right? And when you lose, you lose everything. Now, Mario's not losing everything because Jerry Kill is still the head coach of his football program, and uh, there's a lot of excitement around there. And I mentioned women's basketball. But as far as men's basketball goes, everything they've built up for well over a decade, since really the days of Reggie Theus. Because think about it. You had Theus, you had Menzies, um, and then you kind of went into Jans. um, And it's been, you know, and and Weir for a year. uh, and, And then everything's been building up, right? It's all been building up. But then, one bad mistake, and this has been a bad one, and everything gets destroyed. You lose it all. So that's kind of where it's at right now. You know, one, you know, you keep gambling. Eventually, something's not gonna, not gonna, uh, you know, not gonna work out. Um, yeah. You know, but nobody knew this. Uh, you know, we can't look back and say that this was something that people could have seen the writing on the wall from the very beginning. Nobody knew. No one knew. On paper, people were praising Greg Hire's, uh, you know, Hire again um, before the season even started. Right when this announcement first happened, they were thinking, "Wow, you know, all these recruits, all these guys that he's getting here to New Mexico State." That was the talk of the town. No one thought that it would go this far south. No one knew that they'd be in the first scandal, like the Mike Peake incident. No one knew that they would, that this kind of incident would happen, where there's hazing internally and a victim has to go to a New Mexico police officer uh, on campus and try to find a resolution to this. I'll say this though, okay. I do believe that if Mario Mocha would have been relieved of his duties as athletic director at New Mexico State, it would have happened today with Greg Heyer. I really do. Like, I, I feel like with the news today and the press conference stated for 10 o'clock tomorrow, Mario Mocha will not, uh, you know, he will, he, he will uh, continue to stay on as director of athletics at New Mexico State. And I'll say this, I think the next hire as head coach will be someone that has an impeccable record, straight shooter, and someone that, you know, you don't feel uh, as if uh, you're going to be, you know, trying again and rolling the dice on someone that's got a past. Uh, That's just at least where I see it right now. I think they're going to probably take a very safe, higher at head coach from this point on because of what's happened to the program.
Yeah, exactly. You have to reflect back on the Greg Hire decision, um, you know, to bring him on board as one of the worst decisions in his entire tenure with New Mexico State and hold him accountable for it. But at the same time, look at his, the next person to take well, that position as saying, hey, look, that person might have to be established. They, they might have to already be a head coach in years past and have a good track record. I mean, just I remember, it. just remember this. When Neil McCarthy left amidst, uh, amidst all that scandal and everything that was going on at New Mexico State, who bailed the program out? Lou Henson. You know, they brought back Lou. And that was a huge coup for that athletic department, given everything uh, Lou Henson had done prior to when he started in Cruces and what he did at uh, Illinois prior to coming back. That was a big, big deal. Bring him back, Lou, because they needed that. They needed Lou Henson to bring the program back to respectability after what happened with McCarthy on his way out. Now they need that again, and they got to find somebody who can come in, and uh, you can't gamble this time. You can't gamble. You have to bring in someone that will restore the restore the culture at New Mexico State. That is a must. Yeah, because the, to- the culture right now is toxic. I mean, the culture right now is at an all-time low. And it, when you think about New Mexico State, you're seeing four-star prospects decommitting from this program moving forward. I mean, college basketball moves quickly. Uh, people, th- th- they need to kind of get somebody in place rather quickly and in, in accordance with that, still move forward with this uh, investigation that's going on. They're moving from the WAC to Conference. Conference USA, competition is going to be a lot better in their next league. They might have a roster with nobody for whoever takes over this program. They might rebuild it all the way from the ground up. You never know. There might be no holdovers from this team once the stories officially come out and the smoke clears in this situation. I don't expect there to be. I, I really don't. I think I'm it's with a you. whole new roster. I'm with you. I think it's going to be a whole new regime, whole new everything at New Mexico State. This was the first domino to fall, but there will be more coming. You know that that's going to happen. All right, 33 past as we continue here on Sports Talk. 505-6009. If you want to uh, voice your thoughts on the news today that Greg Heyer has been uh, relieved of his duties as head coach at New Mexico State, we will we can hear from you. John Dos Anjos out for the season. Super Bowl 57. Lee Steinberg still to come in about 30 minutes. So we take you right up till uh, 7 o'clock. But we are at the midway point of the show. 505. 505- 6009-600 ESPN El Paso on Twitter or our free mobile app powered by First American Bank. Three ways to get right on in and through to the show as we send it back right now to Adrian and get this Sports Center update. Thank you very much. I just saw this tweet from Tony Patelis. Now Tony uh, is a college basketball bracketologist and he does everything from CBI. He talks college hoops all the time. He just tweeted out Greg Hire would be a huge get for a program on the rise. So, uh, once again, Adrian, that's also going to be really interesting that when the smoke clears and more details, see, and and I guess for Greg Hire's uh, future, it all depends on how much more comes out, right? If nothing else leaks on this story besides what's already been public, could Greg Heyer get another assistant coaching job in college basketball? Tony Patelis thinks he could. It's he, possible. You know, it's possible. But, but but if more comes out and the news is not good and it's more and more disturbing and you find that it all happened on his watch, then his future 
as a college basketball coach is clearly up in the air and in question. So I think it all just depends on what more we find out about this and if we do find out more, what goes public. Because it's very possible that since none of the names have been released because this is not a a criminal case, this is nothing that no, no charges haven't been pressed, if they remain to keep it that way, you know, you might never find out more details than what you already know. And in that situation, you know it's hazing. You know it could have uh, possibly involved uh, the alleged uh, sexual activity that's been reported. But, um, you know, it's if if that's all that comes out, yeah. I mean, Greg Heyer could get another job in college coaching again. It's very possible. College basketball is one of those sports where people forgive even in the ugliest moments uh, for good and for bad reasons, okay? And uh, I'll just, you know... Uh, you, we've seen it across college football. There are very few coaches, if any, that have truly been uh, blacklisted from uh, being hired as other head coaches, knowing that they carry so much bad baggage behind them that no other university will want to touch them. I just, you know, unfortunately, the society that we live in, Steve, people turn the page quickly on these kinds of matters. And if this is all true, I, I honestly, you put the liability on the coach. It's up to him to. To know these things that are going on within your program and to me that's a sign of a bad leader and a bad coach that shouldn't get those opportunities how many times do we see second chances and third all chances and fourth chances in sports we're gonna see chris beard get another job before it's all said and done there's plenty let me tell you something okay there's plenty of minor fans that would beg beg chris beard to be an assistant coach here at utep after what's happened and 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 reunite with uh with his buddy joe golding you know that. Plenty would say, man, you get a coach like that and you can bring him on board, it would be huge. Give him a second chance. I mean, look, we gave Mike Price the opportunity when nobody else would touch him, and look how that turned out for UTEP football. So, yeah, there would be plenty uh, that would uh, minor fans would jump on board and, and say, hey, we can bring Chris Beard here. We got to do it. So, you know, it's funny you mentioned that. He will get a second chance. Might not be here, but it's going to be somewhere. And uh, you know that that's going to be happening. Um, you know, might not happen tomorrow or next week or, or this year, but Chris Beard will be back in uh, in basketball coaching. That you can almost guarantee that. Yeah, you're. I, I hear what you're saying there. I would say another one that has not gone back into college basketball. Uh, that's Greg Marshall. I mean, granted, uh, he was he had. Uh, um, I guess instances where people alleged verbal and physical b- abuse that spanned over years. So uh, an investigation that came out over Greg Marshall, that that story has not really cleared the air for a lot of people. He has not been hired since he left Wichita State in 2020. That's so. true. That is true. But Greg Marshall is also 59 years old, Yeah, has totally made different. has made his money, and if Greg Marshall never wants to coach another day in his life, he will be financially set for him and probably future generations. So there's the difference. You know, one, you're dealing with somebody in his 40s, someone else that's about to turn 60. So a little bit of a different situation. I would also say how many calls have, has Greg Marshall taken over the past couple of years that we don't know about? That's like other too. openings that maybe people poking in asking, hey, are you available to be a head coach? And maybe he's declined some of those options. We never know. I thought Greg Marshall would have been in play for the UTEP job a couple of years ago when Rodney stepped down and the Mexico job when Chris Jans 
uh, took the uh, Mississippi State job. I thought he would have been in play for both of those jobs, but didn't uh, didn't exactly happen. And who knows? Guy like Greg Marshall, if you're going to come back after all that, it's got to be the right opportunity for you. And those two might not have been the right opportunity, or the two universities might have not wanted to go in that direction either. So right. I hear you. And uh, Greg Marshall was also paid a big settlement, $7.75 million over lot of time. Money. So, a lot of money. Yeah, doesn't need to necessarily coach. And I don't even know if he's allowed to coach as part of that. Sometimes those settlements mean you have to stay out of coaching until you're paid. You might not be able to, to go back. I don't know how that works. I'm not really sure. All right, 19 to front of six. We continue here on Sports Talk. 505-6009 gets you in on Valentine's Day. Adrian, are you doing a lot for Valentine's Day? Yeah, actually uh, doing stuff tonight and then doing stuff this weekend. Definitely. Good for first, you. Uh, first Valentine's Day married. You're dressed in a very Valentine's-esque uh, shirt today. You know what? You, you called me out. You're right. I should have wore pink. I, I'm just red. I should I should have put something pink on. Red is Valentine's-like. Yeah. You don't need to have pink on. You have red, red roses, not pink roses. Uh, yeah, you're right. I, I chose the right color spectrum today. You did. You did. I'm Thank very you. proud of you. Appreciate it. Did you do, <laughs> did you do flowers uh, for your wife yeah, today? Yeah, flowers early morning, nice. coffee, that kind of thing. And then nice. uh, later tonight, we're just uh, chill, uh, just dinner. And then the weekend, we'll do something. A little uh, Netflix and chill tonight for Valentine's? Yeah, well, we'll probably do a takeout, something like that. Oh, there you go. Maybe, maybe hit the sticks or do something like that. Good you for know? you. All right, very nice. We'll come back, wrap up hour number two. Hey, we still have more to come, including a conversation I had uh, last week with Lee Steinberg when we were live at Radio Row for the NFL uh, uh, Super Bowl extravaganza. We'll do that as well. As Sports Talk continues at 600 ESPN El Paso. All right, back on Sports Talk as we continue. Nine in front of six right now. Saw this tweet from Ivan. You guys keep forgetting that everyone is always innocent until proven guilty. Everything coming out of NMSU are allegations, but you guys make it sound like it's the truth slash facts. You two were fans of Mike Price when he became UTEP's coach, right? Alluding to the fact that uh, Mike Price was out of a job at Alabama because of the Sports Illustrated story that came out, which eventually they settled out of court because Mike had sued SI for, um, I believe it was a defamation of character at the time, and that defamation suit resulted in a seven-figure deal. Listen, um, I think this, though, Ivan, they've already interviewed. When You have to understand something, Ivan. When the team came back from California... The school interviewed everybody, everybody that was on the team at the time. They immediately met and interviewed the players. Yes, it's alleged, but if this story was fabricated, do you really think the program would have suspended itself for the rest of the season immediately and then days later terminated their head coach? I mean, they talked to every player on the team. And in the uh, police report, they claimed that you know the players were aware of this. So if, if the team would have said, nah, you know what? Whoever did this made it all up. Then I, I don't think they would have been as quick to rush to judgment as they were. And at least, to me, it's a different situation. The Price story happened when he was out in Florida that involved what allegedly was being reported as a night at a strip club. This is the team, players, and, and individuals under the coach's watch. You can't compare the two stories. 
It's apples to, and oranges. This is not even close, okay? I'll, I'll give you two quick examples. Um, Alabama University President Robert Witt at the time fired Mike Price for, quote, failing to live his personal and professional life in a manner consistent with university policies. That was the reason Mike Price was fired. Dan Arvizu said today in his statement, quote, that this comes, the firing, comes after learning of hazing allegations involving student-athletes on our men's basketball basketball team totally different situations it is it is but as far as greg hire's future goes hey if nothing else comes out besides what's what's been reported now um can greg hire coach again in college basketball absolutely most likely as an assistant because of what's unraveled this season at new mexico state but i could see him coaching again but you know, who knows what's going to end up happening. And even if even if Hire had no knowledge of everything, if you're the head coach, you're in charge. That's It's got to start at the top. You have to hold your own self accountable as a head coach. You're responsible for not just your staff, but also the all the players on your team. When we return, a conversation I had last Friday at Radio Row with one of the legendary sports agents of all time. Lee Steinberg will join us, and we'll have that uh, for you next. The Sports Talk continues, 600 ESPN El Paso. Mexican girl. I don't know if you really fell in love with a Mexican girl or not, Lee, <laughs> but uh, you know El Paso well. Uh, you've been here since we arrived at Radio Row, and you're no stranger to this. You've been doing this for 40-plus years. Tell me, after all these years, do you still enjoy coming out, seeing everybody, and just taking part in all these festivities? Oh, absolutely. And and this year's a special treat because of having a quarterback in the Super Bowl. But it gives me a chance to talk about our Super Bowl party and projects we're involved with, our Agent Academy, and to, to talk with people about issues that matter. It's so interesting because you talked about Patrick Mahomes, who's going to be who's your client. Um, you actually signed Patrick Mahomes and Aaron Jones in the same class. You both got them, and um, one was in Lubbock, one was in El Paso. And I remember because they were became friends with each other through that time when they both uh, came came along with you. Well, so close, in fact, that Aaron drove from El Paso to Lubbock to uh, see. Patrick's Pro Scouting Day, and he actually went to his friend's Pro Scouting Day, and they trained at the same location in uh, near San Diego. So they spent a couple months together and saw each other every day, and they and their girlfriends and now wives became friends. It's a great story. It really is. Now, as I mentioned earlier. You've been doing this a long time, Lee. You've seen everything. And you've also seen how this place has transformed. One of the things we noted when we were here is this is not just about radio stations anymore. Now it's about the digital setup, the televisions, the videos, the the streaming platforms. It's pretty remarkable, isn't it, when you really look at the media and how things have evolved over the years. It's sort of reflective of the way people receive information now. And also the growth of social media. So... Now the new currency for an athlete is how many followers you have on Twitter, TikTok, uh, LinkedIn, uh, Instagram, and 
information flows in such different ways. When I was growing up, we read newspapers and uh, watched network TV and always listened to radio. But now you've got all these ancillary forms of uh, content. It's so true. Um, and it's funny you mentioned growing up and what it was like for you then. When you're signing a player now, do you look at social media for them and wonder how large is their social media platform, or do you look more at the skill set on the field? No, you start with character. And in our approach, we ask the athletes to serve as role models and retrace their roots so they go back to the high school community, the collegiate and the professional community, set up a high school uh, scholarship fund or work with the church or boys and girls club at the college, rebond with the alums, and at the pro level set up a charitable foundation with leading business figures, political figures, and community leaders to tackle a, a, a a project or a nail like Mahomes with uh, 15 of the Mahomes. So you're looking at character first and whether or not someone's a self-starter and whether they have um, an understanding of their capacity to use this career. Do you think they're going to have some interest in second career? So that all comes first before the athletic side. And the athletic side, the key quality is what an athlete does in adversity because there will be reverses. Uh, quarterback's throwing a couple interceptions, the crowd is booing, the center's looking at the quarterback like he's on hallucinogens. And what does he do now? Can he compartmentalize, adopt a quiet mind, tune out extraneous stimuli, and elevate his level of play to take a team to and through victory? That quality is unique. Steinberg with us here on Sports Talk. Has that been the formula for you the whole time? Pretty much when you've looked at athletes since the very beginning when you first got into this business, the kind of characters you always wanted on and off the field? Right, and to find that out, you need listening skills. You need to be able to draw out another human being, cut below the surface. Men don't cheer quite as easily as women do. So you have to be able to drill down and get into someone's deepest anxieties and fears and greatest hopes and dreams. If you can put yourself in another person's heart and mind um, and see the world the way they see it, whether it's dealing with fine or negotiating, it will help you gracefully navigate life. Take me back to the beginning and why you got into this business in the first place. Now, that's an existential question that I've considered for years. Um, I uh, was going to Cal Berkeley in the late 60s, early 70s, and in law school I was a dorm counselor. And they moved the freshman football team into the dorm, and one of the students was the quarterback, Steve Bartkowski. And in 1975, he became the very first player selected in the first round of the NFL draft by Atlanta. And he asked me to represent him. Well, there I was, brimming with legal experience. There was no sports agentry as an established field. Matter of fact, teams could pick up the, slam down the phone and say, we don't deal with agents. And so 
But we got back there. We got the largest rookie contract in NFL history. And I saw in that first experience how athletes were venerated and movie stars. And I thought, you know, my dad raised us with two core values. One is treasure relationships, especially family. And the second is make a meaningful difference in the world and help people who can't help themselves. That's how it all started. That's a great story. I, I didn't realize it started with Steve Bartkowski in the mid-70s for you. And once that first contract was negotiated, did you realize right then and there, uh, I, I want to do this for a living? Not really. Uh, it was as I continued to see the power of Bartkowski. And, um, and I, I needed to learn that the type of approach I was going to take would only appeal to a certain number of people role modeling, uh, second career, um, uh, the ability to be a self-starter. And so I had to learn how to profile prospective clients, how to read about them, research them, have really reflect on who their parents were and how uh, they had been raised. And if I could find that niche of the student body president type player, then I'd be in good shape. Steinberg with us here on Sports Talk. Now, as you look at this business today, a lot has changed, um, yet you're still right where you've always been, at the top. Um, Are there a lot of other people in this business from the agent standpoint that uh, you admire in terms of how they've been able to build their careers uh, like yours? I wish more. There are some good agents. I wish more would emphasize a holistic approach. Um, we have an agent academy, which uh, the next one's in Las Vegas in April. You could go to SteinbergSpeaks.com. And that's to bring along the next generation of agents that have principles and ethics and values and are specifically trained in how to recruit and how to negotiate and how to brand and market and how to set up a charitable foundation and all the rest. Athletes that negotiate themselves, what do you think about players that are able to you know, try to put their own contracts together and, and, and not necessarily use an agent, so to speak? Well, they're perfectly entitled, but that narrows what a good agent would do because it's so much about helping a player navigate through the draft and scouting process. It's helping mentor them into the right way to start their career. It's um, being available when they're unhappy for any... And it's a sophisticated understanding of how to structure contracts today that maximize compensation for a player but minimize the cap charge. And so there's so many aspects. Um, Not very many players are doing that. you look at the Lamar Jackson situation and obviously it's surprising because you got a franchise quarterback who the team's delighted with and the player seems to love the city. How could he ever get through his last year of his contract? 
Uh, Lee Steinberg with us here on Sports Talk. DeMaurice Smith just said recently that he'd like to see the NFL combine abolished. He doesn't feel like the athletes deserve to be treated the way they are by teams with their medicals uh, being waived and then uh, essentially being put through the rigors that they are. Give me your thoughts on that, and do you think that they should just hold pro days for the athletes as opposed to uh, a larger combine like we've seen over the years? Well, they can do the same things at pro scouting day. They can talk to the players and have one-on-one meetings with them. They can do the five testables, how fast you can run a 40 vertical leap, horizontal leap, and uh, bench press and a three-cone drill. They can run all those same things. They can put a player through drills there. So all of that's fine. There's a little distortion of performance at the combine because the players are tired, they're being run around, they're not getting a chance to recover sometimes between drills, and they do feel dehumanized as they stand there in their shorts, you know. Uh, And it's not just one doctor who looks at them, it's a whole series of doctors. I mean, I always say, if you're not injured before the combine physical, you probably are after most satisfying part of the job for you is? Charitable and community programs. Probably the high point of my career was uh, giving the presenting speech for Warren Moon at the Hall of Fame. We'd been together for 23 years. He had had to go to Canada because there was a certain suspicion in the uh, NFL circles that an African-American quarterback wasn't capable. And um, and then he becomes the first player ever inducted a black quarterback in the modern era. You've got a party that is known as a legendary Super Bowl party, but I know it's about giving back and about the charitable foundation. Let's talk a little bit about that and the annual event that, that you put down. So I tried to design a party which was an antidote to the noisy, boozy, dark, overcrowded parties. Smoky. And and we do uh, fundraising for the homeless in Phoenix. We'll have a brain uh, health summit. I've been campaigning on the issue of concussion since the late 80s, early 90s. This will be our 17th attempt to bring neurologists and solution to try to heal concussed brains. Um, We have a display of new healing modalities that can help players recover quicker. Hyperbaric oxygen, stem cell, uh, light stem. Uh, We give humanitarian awards. Uh, Dave Ziegler of the Raiders will get one this year for things he does off the field. And so it's it's big business, big politics, big sports, big entertainment. Well, it sounds like a big everything, but more than anything, so many good things you're doing because it's all about the health of the athletes and the future of the athletes. Yes. Well, so I think that the fiduciary responsibility to an athlete is to encourage them to think about long-term health. And it's difficult because they're in denial. They've been taught since Pop Warner football to ignore pain, to play when hurt, and the concept of long-term health can be an abstraction. We enjoyed the conversation, Lee. It was great to sit down with you, and let's make it an annual event here at Radio Row. I'd love to do it. 
He's Lee, St- uh, Lee Steinberg, folks, as we continue here on Sports Talk. Come back with more in a moment. 600 ESPN El Paso. Back on Sports Talk as we continue. 20 past the hour right now. 505-6009. What a terrific uh, you know, individual has been through so much, seen so much over the years. I love the story about Steve Bartkowski in 1975 and how that launched his career. Listen, as a kid growing up in the late 70s, early 80s, one of my favorites was Steve Bartkowski. Quarterback for the Falcons back in those days had a ridiculous arm. Unfortunately, those Falcons teams could never go deep in the playoffs or a Super Bowl. But that was the start of Lee Steinberg. And, and such a cool story going back to the mid-70s. Yeah, and that's how he breaks into the industry right there. And just such a household name. But then it's household names decade after decade. I mean, hearing him name drop guys like Warren Moon, who he had a chance to speak on behalf. Uh, guys like Patrick Mahomes, who just won a Super Bowl this past weekend and won another MVP uh, as well. And you know what? One of the reasons he probably got a chance to work with Steve in the first place was because of the character that he, he talked about how his agency prides on you know getting those players off of they they want to get high character guys they do um which brings us back to the new mexico state story uh since we found out just uh, within the last hour that greg Heyer has been relieved of his duties as head coach of the men's basketball program at new mexico state now some might wonder with the press conference tomorrow at 10 a.m uh why didn't they clean house and get rid of all the coaches today okay the answer could be simple. You still have a roster of players at, on campus. If you get rid of everybody, all coaches and the head coach, who is going to possibly be there to be with these players? Um, you can't just suddenly leave that to support staff. You can't do that. You have to have people in place as long as you have a roster of active players to um, at least make sure that as they're enrolled in school this semester, it's not like it's going to turn into a total free-for-all and there's nobody there to help them out in any capacity because they're still students, they're still enrolled. They haven't been expelled from the university or dismissed, uh, and as long as they're there on scholarship, you got to have people there for them. So do I think that the coaching staff will stay on board? No. You hire a new head coach, they usually bring in all their new assistants and support staff, and I still think that if any players or coaches or anybody's on uh, still employed uh, by, let's say, October, November, or even the summer, I'd be shocked. I really would. But right now, even though the season's been canceled, you still have an active roster of probably 15, 16, 17 guys. You can't fire the whole staff. Then what? Then who who's there to keep, to at least be around the players? You, you got to have them in place until you start to see what's going to happen because at the end of the semester, here's what will happen. You'll start to see more people transferring out. Maybe you'll see more people transferring out this week. That could happen. They could hit the portal. But right now, Adrian, um, you know, hire was the no-brainer. But as far as the rest of the staff goes, hey, 
as long as you've got student athletes on campus in the basketball program, you got to have people in place at some of these spots. The idea of like a free for all for these kids without any kind of support staff really is uh, is alarming. Knowing that the the path of what some of these kids have actually chosen to do during this time, and you know the path that they're heading on, you you, you hope the best for those players who are not involved with any of this, right? I mean, the the players that either were directly involved with the hazing or uh, tolerated or just allowed it to happen, those are the guys who are probably going to face some kind of reprimands, and, and they deserve to. If you're uh, traumatizing other kids to benefit your own uh, person, yeah. then then you should face those kind of reprimands. Now, we still don't know a lot about this situation. And what I mean by that is we don't know if what allegedly happened happened in front of the whole team. We don't. We don't we've been told that was what took place. We don't know that for a fact just yet. And you wonder. Are there certain individuals on this team that maybe heard the rumblings but never saw anything that happened? We don't know that for sure. We don't. All we know is uh, that there is one individual that uh, went to the NMSU police, um, gave them a detailed account of the story. Some of that was redacted. Others was given to uh, members of the media. They went with it. Uh, big, big story in theathletic.com today from Dana O'Neill. Actually, that was last night about the NMSU program. Dana is one of the uh, national you know, sports columnists who write uh, a lot at The Athletic. Used to be at ESPN.com, has a book out on the Big East. And I wonder how many more will tackle this particular situation and this story when it's all said and done. It seems like from a national perspective, the story's kind of dying a little bit, which is interesting, right? I mean, I get it. We're talking allegations here. I understand there's no definite um, you know, investigation or findings of what the investigation had, but we, we probably need to find that out before we make these kind of assumptions. Nonetheless, I'm pretty surprised it's not more of a national story than it currently could be. I, I mean, this is talking about a potential hazing going on within a Division One men's basketball school like this, which reached the NCAA tournament less than a year ago. Yeah, that's true. That is true. And had so much. I mean, did so much. That's the best way to put it. They, they really did. And, you know, now, listen, it, it is, you know, it's it's an interesting storyline. It really is. What's what, what will happen next? Because when the smoke clears... And it's going to be a while. Don't expect this to suddenly resolve itself overnight. This will take time. And more than likely, I don't even expect a new head coach in place until next month at the earliest, okay? But it is going to be someone that is going to come in, not just with the responsibility of winning, but coming in to clean up the program, which is why... I think NMSU's next head men's basketball coach is going to have an impeccable reputation, someone that is probably a veteran, not a first-time head coach uh, at the at the Division One level. You're not going to see that this time around. You're probably going to see somebody that's older, experienced, and is going to come in here with the mission of not only winning, but taking the program and restoring it back to the reputation that um, NMSU fans have been used to all these years. 
You know what? Uh, here's a name out there. I know that this is maybe a little quick on this kind of stuff because you're right. I think it will drag into the spring, and I think it will uh, be maybe after the basketball season when it's all said and done, when smoke is kind of cleared a little bit. But maybe they look at a former name in Reggie Theus as somebody who could return. He's currently the uh, head coach at Bethune-Cookman. No, no way at all. No, here. no, I don't, I, I don't see that. I just don't. I, I don't see that. No, I don't. Not uh, not this time around. I really don't. I think it's going to be somebody a little different than that. You know? Go get Coach K out of retirement. <laughs> there you go. I mean, You got a couple it, million it, uh, hanging around? It just has to be somebody. And, and by the way, you're not going to see... Mario's not going to double down and bring Greg Marshall back or, or uh, you know, try to go after Chris Beard. No, I think it's going to be a much different situation. I don't think it's going to be... I don't think Mario is going to um, be the you know saying oh, we're gonna we're gonna just you know take another gamble and hope it pays off like it always has. I think he's gonna play this one um, much more conservative as far as the hire goes, and I think that it's going to be a veteran and somebody that has coached a long time, and you won't be able to get much dirt on that individual as far as anything that ever happened with them in the program. I just don't see that. I can see that. I, I totally understand where you're coming from. Uh, I wonder, no no ties to the school previously, right? Like, you don't want to hire somebody who previously had ties with your – like, I'm thinking Paul Weir, who's currently the AD at Eastern New Mexico. But, yeah, you're probably right. Maybe you go a different direction altogether. Paul Weir spent one year there and left them for the Lobos. Right. And, and failed at New Mexico. He was an assistant for a long time, though. He was. Yeah. But he failed in New Mexico, and now he's at Eastern New Mexico. No, I don't think it's going to be Paul Weir either. I, I don't. I, I don't think any of those options. I think it's going to be somebody we're not thinking about, who you know will maybe an older gentleman. Who knows? Will have an opportunity to come in here and and, and try to fix this thing. Yeah, they also have to talk about salary. I mean, that's another thing. We've heard from some fans uh, on the New Mexico State side of things, well, what if you paid coaches a little bit more than you wouldn't be in the situation? I don't buy that right there. I don't think that's the right argument, but I do think that with NMSU transitioning into Conference USA, they will have to be uh, in a position where they have to kind of spend a little bit, bit more money to try to get a coach on the caliber of this league. True enough. All right, 32 passes. We continue on Sports Talk. Let's go right back to Adrian. He's standing by and has a our final Sports Center update for us. And thank you very much. I'll give you an interesting name, and chances are this probably wouldn't work either. But what about a guy like Jeff Linder at Wyoming? Now think about this for a second, okay? He's 45 years of age. Jeff Linder was at North Colorado, Northern Colorado. And also Wyoming. And he's done rebuilding jobs in both places. Okay, now, chances are you go from Wyoming to New Mexico State, that's either that's more of a lateral move unless you're paying more than what Wyoming would offer. And chances are New Mexico State's not. But the point is, he's considered a great coach for a rebuild. Because Wyoming has, as we've all seen it, you know, they had an at-large bid uh, in his second season. And, you know, that's that's maybe that's that's the kind of guy you got to look after. You got to look at somebody that's kind of like a Jerry Kill of, uh, of of college basketball. 
Yeah, it's an interesting name right there. I actually really like the Wyoming idea because that's a program that has been very consistent when it comes to uh, just their play. I know this year wouldn't necessarily warrant that, but I still think they're a pretty solid program overall. And you see what kind of program he's built, Jeff Linder. He's also been very uh, loyal to Wyoming since joining them out of the Mountain West. He actually came from northern Colorado, so he's very familiar with this uh, kind of mountain time zone area. Steve and one other name to maybe think about he was a finalist last year as far as the NMSU head coaching position along with James Miller and Greg Heyer this is uh uh, Dedrick Taylor from Cal State Fullerton he was a finalist last year after Cal State Fullerton finished 21 and 11 I'm curious if they would entertain uh something from him out of uh, Dedrick Taylor I mean maybe so by the way, a guy like Jeff Linder, he's making $700,000 a year. And so you got to ju- make that, either match that or make it a little more, right? And he just signed an extension uh, for five years back in, in, in March of last year. So, I mean, he's probably has a pretty high buyout. Job which, security, which they, which, too. Yeah, which, which they can, too. So you're not going to get a guy like that, but that's the kind of, of coach you need. They're just, you know, they're out there. He's got to find them. That's, yeah. that's, that's the key there, too. I just don't see, like, Greg Marshall, Chris Beard. No, I, I mean, look, do I think Greg Marshall would be a, a, a slam dunk at New Mexico State? Absolutely he would. But he has baggage. And after what just happened to the program, you can't add more baggage. You can't do that right now. You can't. You got you, you to play this next hire safe. You have to. I agree completely. I would think um, a couple other names that came up in the previous search uh, for a head coach, Barry Hinson, who is the Southern Illinois head coach. He was hired by Mario Mocha back in 2012. He was the Missouri Valley Coach of the Year uh, last year, and he he just finished his fourth season at SIU. So, I mean, that that was kind of that's an interesting name to maybe think about down the line. What's SIU doing this year? Do we know? Uh, let me uh, let me do some digging on that. I'm no, I'm, I'm just looking right now yeah. at like candidates who are realistic, like candidates who uh, maybe interviewed or who were mentioned in the last go round. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, no, I get it. I absolutely get it. So yeah, it's uh, it's pretty wild. I mean, and, and by the way, let's. I mean, before we, you know, Greg Heyer won the junior college national championship last year, the JUCO national title. That's a big deal. That means he was the hottest name in JUCO coaching last year. And he was, what, 47 years old and has been uh, an assistant forever in D1. Was given his first chance after winning the JUCO national title. So, you know, I mean, listen, Mario went with a guy that was a winner. Uh, It just crashed and burned here at New Mexico State. Is what it did. Yeah, on paper, when the hire was initially made, everybody praised it. They thought Greg Hire would be the guy to just continue, uh, I guess, what Chris Jans left off with New Mexico State. And with all the recruits that he brought in, I, I think Aggie fans actually bought into Greg Hire initially. And it just crashed and burned and failed miserably more than anybody could have ever imagined. That's true. That is true. 38 past as we continue here on Sports Talk. I love this. Esteban tweeting us at 600 ESPN El Paso. Bobby Knight is still available. 
You know, by the way, um, I know that's kind of a funny line, but you know what also is kind of interesting? And this is a name that maybe we should uh, start to think about a little bit because this name shouldn't be discarded. Pat Knight is a scout for the Indiana Pacers. Pat Knight is a former head coach of Texas Tech. And, yep, he's the son of Bobby Knight. I mean, is it possible? Sure. Sure it is. 52 years of age. Um, comes from that lineage. You know, his... Um, I don't think, you know, as as far as a head coach, his career head coaching record is just 80 and 127. I mean, he never did anything at Lamar. Yeah, then we're back to square one with yeah. a with a coach who's just not proven. You know, that's true. I mean, he's got the name. He's got the name because of his father and and because of growing up in that family. But you're right. I mean, I'm just saying there's 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 plenty of people out there right now. There are plenty of people out there. You just got to find the right one. Yeah, and you figure all the new head coaches that are at the Power Five schools right now: Arizona, Jerome Tang out at Kansas State, Rodney Terry out with Texas. There are a lot of great coaches on these staffs right here that you can pry away from. I mean, look, the assistant rate that is actually hit out of the park is actually pretty high right now. There's been some great assistants that have hired and taken over their own team as a head coach and have done nice things recently you brought up James Miller the only knock now against James Miller is he's never been a head coach before was he the runner-up to the job absolutely was he with Chris Jans all those years yes he was is he respected and still at Mississippi State with Chris yes he is but having no head coaching experience taking over this mess I don't know if that's something I want to do. You need someone that has the D1 experience as a head coach who can go in there and bring it back, that has the proven uh, results, and it's the only downside right now to James Miller. Yeah, and they're also going fans on the Aggie side of things are also going to have to be a lot more patient with the new head coach coming in, knowing the circumstances. Oh yeah, knowing how much of an uphill advantage—I mean, uphill—kind oh. uh, of thing challenge it is to recruit players, unless you're really dipping into your NIL uh, portal. You know, that you just said you just said something really interesting though. Is it that hard to reset a program with NIL? Because let's think about this: if you can recruit. A solid supporting team, okay, of let's say eight to ten guys, and then you buy two to three to four proven players. I mean, you don't have to take chances anymore. I've tried I tried to explain this to people, you know. Some people thought that, oh yeah, the Aggies have always taken chances. They've always gambled on players. They've always taken the questionable guys, players that other teams didn't want to touch. They've grabbed them, they've taken them, they've reaped the benefits. NIL, you don't have to do that anymore. All you got to do is just buy talent that that's out there, and if you can buy two or three good players, and you've got a decent supporting uh, like a bench and a good you know good team around you, you can win. Adrian, I don't think it's as tough with NIL to to reset a program now 
than it was a few years ago. I think it's easier if you're talking about a program um, who at the Power 5 level, mid-major level, with no kind of infractions against them, but to ask people to, hey, can you spend a little extra money on this side, and this is going to an NIL collective to support the men's basketball team that has this dark cloud over them. I don't know how many people are inclined to do that kind of stuff, but then again, I'm with you. The possibility is there. So it's just on the, uh, I guess, the basketball program in the future to garner that NIL money and actually use it and spend the money effectively and try to rid this dark cloud that is over uh, the New Mexico State program. But roster building happens year by year. So well said. We'll come back. We'll wrap it up next. Stay with us. 17 in front of 7. You want to duck one in in our final countdown? Now is the time to do it. 505-6009 as Sports Talk continues.